Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 78. And today on Streets Neats, we are going to be delving into all of the really unique and crazy things that you can only do in Japan. And boy, do we have a long list of them. Might be a part one and part two, but we'll try and get it in all in one. We'll see how it goes. Depends how quickly we can talk about each subject, but I I hate to skim over some of them. But after living in Japan for five years, we've had so many amazing experiences in this country. And let me tell you, we love sharing them with you. Welcome to Streets and Eats, the travel and food podcast dedicated to taking our listeners to the sights, sounds, and flavors of fascinating places near and far, both on and off the beaten path. We're Jim and Corinne Vale, and we've been traveling internationally and domestically together for decades, visiting more than 90 countries in all 50 states in the USA. We'll share all of the local knowledge and food expertise we've gathered through years of living as expats in Asia and Europe, as well as traveling with families spanning multiple generations around the world. Join us each week for a new adventure. Well, Jim and I, as I just said, have lived in Japan many, many years, and um, we know that you really should not eat and walk at the same time. But why? What is the reason that people don't want you to eat and walk at the same time? I mean, it's to the point where when you buy stuff at a konbini, a convenience store, they you really have to eat it in the store or right outside the store in a little um, uh, doorway because they don't want you eating on the streets. And where we used to live in Kamakura, they reiterated this um, a few years ago and they were like, yes, we have street food, but don't eat it on the street. So you got to just sort of pull over and eat on the side of the road. But okay, Jim. I remember that. So that's the trivia question. Why don't they like to eat while walking? I'm going to go with the obvious answer. And I'm afraid. Go obvious. I'm afraid that like, if you watch QI, this is going to be the thing that goes, "Ah," because it's the wrong answer, but it's the law. Against yeah, the but law. why? That doesn't answer the question. The answer, the question is why. Why did they come up with the law in the first place? Well, I have to think that's got something to do with being polite You're on the right and not track. wanting to like spread your germs mm. or or share maybe obnoxious smells with other people that don't appreciate them. Mm. No. Well, I, I'm going to say Keeping that I clean. believe that that's definitely part of it. It's a group oriented society not a me society so you don't want to do things that offend others but that is not the answer to this question okay i'm gonna have to give up give up according to cnn the reason people don't eat while walking in japan harkens back to world war ii when food was scarce Mm. and since food was so scarce you should always pay as much attention and give food your full attention and your full appreciation because what if it's not there the next day? So you can't eat while you're doing any type of physical activity because it means you're not appreciating your food properly. Okay. I do also agree that it probably is rooted in being a menace to other people, whether that is being inconsiderate to other people, meaning whether that's leaving your trash where it doesn't belong or smells or odors, like you said, or, you know, just making a mess, making a mess or whatever. I mean, or just being in the way because I mean, we know those lines can get long. Well, even going back to their world war two, I guess we can't call it a theory if maybe they've researched it and, 
That's why I said and according to truth, CNN. Who knows? Uh, but at the same time, you also wouldn't want to be eating food in front of people that may not have as much food. So that's right. That's where that consideration comes in. I would think that that's part of it too. Um, they have a lot of eating kind of rules that mm. we don't necessarily follow in Western society, i.e. one of the things that we don't we don't think is polite is very polite and that's slurping your noodles i still when i go to go to japan i still have a hard time doing the whole but i'll try i guess but the other side to it is you can't blow your nose at the table Mm -hmm. there's no burping there's no audible munching so although you can slurp don't be crunching too loud. Oh, really? Oh, no. And of course, I think most people do know this one, um, the whole chopstick etiquette, and especially not leaving your chopsticks, you know, standing upright in your bowl. Stuck into because, your rice. you know, I think that we see a bowl in Western society. We, we think often that we're eating with a spoon if we have a bowl. And we always... Not always, maybe, but we often would leave our spoon in the bowl. Yeah, we're also and I think it. that that's just something that people should be aware of. But anyway, that's why they don't like to eat while walking. And like I said, living in Kamakura a few years ago, they reiterated this whole rule. And even though all along the shopping street in Kamakura, which, by the way, if you haven't been there, is amazing. There's plenty of different types of street food. But you really need to pull yourself over, kind of park yourself like you would a car over next to the booth itself where there is usually a trash can for that for that garbage. And also you can eat along with other people standing there and eating, but don't eat as people are walking along the street. And it gets kind of crowded. So, again, you don't want it spilled. You don't want to make a mess. What have you? I'm not sure if that's unique to Japan, but it's kind of a segue into our topic. Yeah. All the unique things you can do in Japan. And I've broken these up into three different types of things. Cultural activities, more food activities, because you know I love that bit. Food, yeah. And of course, things to do in the out of doors, which there's probably a much longer list than I put on there. But I was trying to come up with things that are truly unique to Japan. I mean, there's some things that might have some layovers, some festivals that like they have parades in Japan and they have parades everywhere, but they're. But there's some uniqueness to those in Japan that you don't really see a lot of other places. Exactly. Good example. Yeah. All right. So should we start with uh, cultural activities? Speaking of festivals. Local festivals. Okay. So the one that I really have cemented in my memory was when we lived in Misawa up in Northern Japan and a group of us were invited to participate in a parade carrying the, the, one of the Makoshis, Matsura, whatever it's called, the shrine through the parade. Now, this thing is humongous and it's heavy. It's well, built it of solid seem, wood. It didn't seem as humongous as a lot of the other ones that well, we saw. that's true. So we thought, oh, this should be a piece of cake. I mean, if they're used to carrying them and we have a smaller one, oh, hey, we no got problem. this. So 20, aye, aye, aye. 20 men and women all decked out in your yukata. yukata and headband and if you're smart, a towel on your shoulder. Yeah. 20 people to pick this thing up by wooden beams that it, that the shrine is sitting on. So I, I don't know. I can't remember exactly like what the disbursement of people were, but there's I'm, people everywhere. I mean, there's, yeah, there's like six solid wood beams and people on either side of the, of the shrine. And you're just carrying the thing. And you, every now and then someone would yell something and you, we'd have to like lift it up high and swing it down low and lift it up high and swing it down low. Okay, it's physically exhausting, 
But at the same time, your adrenaline is just pumping and it's so much fun. And every now and then you get spelled out and you can like take a little break and go back mine. And they did bring around the sake. Drink some sake. Yeah. Take a little break and then go back and do your part again. So you can, that's one thing that's really nice about um, the Japanese festivals is a lot of times they're open to the public with, that doesn't matter who you are. You can, if they're firewalking, you can firewalk. If they're Mm -hmm. Oban dancing, you can Oban dance. I mean, so don't feel, I mean, if you're there in that situation and a lot of people go in the summer when most of the festivals are, you're going to probably have an opportunity to go to something. Take Enjoy it. yourself. Take it. Yeah. Along those same lines, one thing that everybody's heard about is Japanese tea ceremonies. And there are plenty of opportunities where you can either pay for uh, doing it in a, like a park, a garden, or a garden or something to that effect. Or if you happen to be on an exchange or something like that, typically you will be invited to a Japanese tea ceremony. It's something that they share with the world. And you don't have to know anything except how to sit on your knees if possible. <laughs> and even after you give it a try and then once your knees start to hurt because our Western knees are just not up to mm-hmm. par, um, then you can sit, you know, demurely, courteously on the side of your buttocks, I suppose is <laughs> how you would anyway. say it. But um, without splaying your legs out, of course, but still not completely on your knees. Do you slurp the tea too? No, you do not slurp no. tea. Sip and it. you, they will tell you, the, the nice thing about the Japanese is they're not going to just leave you hanging. They're going to tell you how Each to do something. Yeah. It's unique, but I think that it's, it's one that's offered to people pretty frequently. So I think anybody visiting Japan will more than likely have an opportunity to do so. And you can easily seek it out. Okay. So the next one you're going to find pretty much everywhere, shopping malls, uh, amusement, arcades, entertainment centers, and that is the photo booths. The Purikura. But the thing is, I think the last time we went to Japan, which was this past December, we didn't see as many. And I think that's because of the rise of smartphone mm, filters and, and you know, do little... All that little bunny ears and whatever else that you can put on just right with your phone. Now in saying that there were still plenty and, and where you're you going to find them where you see one booth, you see gosh, a whole line 10 of or them. 20 booths. Yeah. And they're a lot of fun and they're not the same thing as being on a smartphone because you get into the booth, you make your, you know, you pose, you do whatever you smize, you make funny faces, but then the fun part comes when you can ride on it and you can, you know, doctor it up however you want. But like I said, I think smartphones are carrying up. So if you want to do this, if you want to go pure Purikura and get all those little tiny um, picture, little icons. Well, what are they? Stickers, stickers, stickers. basically. I wouldn't leave it too long before you go, because I think it might be a dying thing. That might be a dying thing, actually. Quite true. So one of the things that I think is really cool in all the cities, for sure, and even some of the smaller cities and towns, if you look down and look at the manhole covers. We want to call them maintenance hole covers. Maintenance nowadays. hole. That's you know, let's get politically <laughs> correct here. The people hole covers. That's How's right. That? The anyway, hole covers. You know those things on the ground that are metal. Like you have to lift them to access the sewers underneath the street, the sewers, the electric, the water, whatever. But they all are like really richly decorated. Some They're of them not are all, even, but many are. Many are. Some of them are even painted mm-hmm. with like iconic scenes from the city where they're at. 
and there's fun ones like there's a lot of Pokemon ones mm-hmm. and just you know whimsical ones. There's um, like the Kapabashi ones, which is Kapabashi is a little the frog, frog man. man. I mean, just I mean they're cool. They're Cherry really cool. blossoms, Mount yeah. Fuji. You, you, uh, you name, name it. it. We've seen it. it on a mantle cover. We haven't always taken photos of it, but we have taken quite a few. Yeah, I think one thing that people always want to do when going to Japan is go to a real Japanese garden. And they're kind of a little bit harder to find than you would think, you know, the kind of Japanese garden where you have the raked rocks and Mm. it's in a pattern, but regardless, there are plenty of opportunities to just get your Zen on and maybe meditate or, you know, sit on a rock or be by the water um, part of it. I mean, Japanese gardens, if you, if you study them, they have something like, all these different characteristics that should be part of the Japanese garden. There's always a water facility, a water element, element. water feature, a water feature, waterfall or pond or there's like a bridge and there's, Mm -hmm. you know, the Buddhist iconery, Uh, just things like that. I mean, there's lots of stuff, but to find the ones where you, you, you think of with the rocks and stuff, there aren't so many of those, but they do exist. So no matter which Japanese garden you go to, you'll love it. And it doesn't really even matter what time of year you go. No, it doesn't. They're, they're always beautiful. They're always well-maintained. And even if there's a lot of people there, it's still going to be a quiet and pretty serene place. Yeah. Beautiful pictures. Speaking of pictures. Kimonos. Kimonos. Let me tell you, one thing that's very popular in all of Asia, but specifically Japan, is renting kimonos. You can rent kimonos in every town, just about. It's every tourist town, every like tourist Kamakura town. and Kyoto and Nara and all those places. Right. And of course, many of the temples and many of the places that, that you're going to find a lot of people going. So when you see people in kimono, they may or may not be Japanese. Now, there will be a lot of Japanese in kimono because they they want to dress in their, right. in their custom. Very traditional. Traditional dress as well. But... If you listen closely, you might hear Korean or that's true Chinese or Portuguese or <laughs> literally every yeah, English, every Spanish, language. you name yeah. it. And it's a lot of fun. If it's something that you like doing, if you like taking Instagram photos, it's a great idea. Whether it's leaf peeping season or Hanami season, cherry blossom season, or just really any time of the year, those places are gorgeous. And so if you have traditional clothes on, traditional shoes, the whole spiel. It'll be a lot of fun. I agree. And one other thing you can do that goes right along with that, at most of the castles, you could rent a samurai a samurai mm-hmm. outfit as well. And some of them, I mean, are kind of cheesy and they're not, they don't really look that authentic, but some of them are, I mean, you look like a samurai. You look like you just stepped out of the pages of history and yeah. that's really cool. And, and the other thing I want to say about that is they have them for all ages and we think of dress up a lot as for kids, but no, no, no. no I would say the majority, the majority are not children, actually. I mean, I do see children with um, renting kimonos and we've done it ourselves with some kids that we've been around, but, but no, 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 this is, this is an adult thing. <laughs> okay. So this other one, I think this next one is kind of like a, like I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of crossover. You're going to find arcades in most countries. But Japan takes it to a whole nother level. As they're bound to do with I mean, a lot we, of different things. We talked about seeing 10 or 20 of the photo booths, the Purikura. But you'll also see 30 or 40 huge 
crane games where you might be trying to win the latest handheld gaming device or the most current uh, stuffed animal. Zoom, zoom. And it, there's all kinds of them, but it, it's not just crane Oh, no, no, things. no. no. Some of the fun things that you can play in arcade is they have the taiko drumming yep. and they have cutting up sushi and they have, um, I just, I mean, you name it, they've got it. And it's so much fun. I'm not a big arcade person myself, but I, even I can go in there and find lots to do and have fun doing it. And some of them have, I mean, they're like four or five stories mm-hmm. tall. And some of them have like bowling alleys and dartboards. And there's Billiards. a whole, there's a lot of times where you can actually bet and on horse races and all kinds of things. So don't miss the arcade. Even if you're like me and you're not, you know, a Chuck E. Cheese goer or someone who really likes to go to the pinball shop or whatever. It's, it's a lot of fun. There's so many different things. And to if try. you are really into gaming and high tech stuff. That's also where you're going to see the latest and greatest yeah. of what's coming out and not out in the rest of the world. It's only out in Japan. Yeah. So put that on your list. Very cool. Um, along with other with, with gaming and that kind of idea is a gashapon machine. And a gashapon machine is kind of like our gumball machines in the States where you put in a quarter and you get a gumball or you put in. I don't, I don't even know how much because I haven't done it in so many years, but put in some money and you get a little toy or whatever. Yeah. Well, these are all little toys, except toy isn't really the right. Collector things. Yeah, they have, I mean, they have themes. Like some of the ones that I've seen, they had calligraphy. I have a little calligraphy set. Um, With they the brush have and the ink and everything. Fast food, little fast food. They have... Um, little cars they have of course pokemon and transformers and all the x-men and all that kind of stuff transformers kid stuff but they also have things like tools like mini tools or i'm trying to think of all the things and some of them are actually that you can use yeah that's just it's just amazing and these gachapon doors especially the big ones in like say in tokyo I mean, you could, you could spend a fortune there, Yeah, but they're a lot of fun. Quite easily. Bring your yen change. And they're everywhere. They're, they're not everywhere. just, you don't have to find a gosh In fact, store. The, one of the funniest places, were you going to say this? One of the funniest places I think we found them was at the airport, at the airport. as you're leaving, there's a sign that says, don't leave with that Japan, Japanese change. Here's a gosh area right here. Use it up. You can't spend it anywhere else. And Might we as well did. spend it here. Okay. So following that same theme of arcades and and machines and whatnot, pachinko is something you can really only do in Japan. And pachinko, it's like a, what do you call those machines? It's like a slot, slot machine. machine. I mean, that's the kind closest of. analogy. And you can, and you, what do you win? You win tokens, I believe. You win tokens. It's a form of gambling, but. Well, it, it's an offic- unofficial form of gambling because you can only catch. win tokens. Right. And then you can trade these tokens in for toys or what have Prizes you. Kind or, of like Chuck E. Cheese. But secretly around the corner, you turn in the tokens and you can get money. So that's where the gambling comes in. But that's a little bit shady. Yeah, we haven't done that. Well, we haven't done it. But the pachinko itself is a lot of fun. The thing about pachinko is I can't even, I can't stand it for more than literally, I mean, 30 seconds. I've never heard such a deafening cacophony of noise that just. No, it's not for me. In saying that, did I buy a pachinko machine? I did. Yeah, of course. Because it's such a Japanese thing. But to actually go into one of the the salons, no, No. not for me. You open the doors, the front doors to walk in. 
and you're just hit with this wall of sound and sensory and it's not good overload it's like really gets in your eardrum hurts you sound it's ringing bells and of course the the constant clatter and tinging of all these little steel balls bouncing around the machines plus there's music playing people are yelling for me it's overkill but but a lot of people love it and it's the only place you're going to do it for sure yeah and i've never seen it anywhere else um, there's a lot of different kinds of theaters that you can go to that are really fun. There's Bunraku. There's the No Theater. There's and and no matter what city you're in, whatever is popular in that area, you can buy tickets and go to that. And I would say Japanese theater in general is different mm. than Western theater, whether it's puppets or elaborate face masks and costumes. costumes. A lot of it is silent. A lot of it, there's talking. You don't really need to understand it. Some of it is singing. Yeah, some of it is singing. Yeah, and it's it's well worth going to once. I think that's one of those once in a lifetime experiences. And you might find you really enjoy it, and you, you want to keep going back. But for us, I think a once in a lifetime kind of explains it all. Now, this next one you want to do every year. Every year. Because it's tied around. Well, like the kind of like the Chinese New Year. It's yeah. kind of tied around a Chinese New Year type thing. And that is the Daruma, which is that little red guy that you'll see a little sculpture or a statue. He's a wooden doll, kind of roly-poly doll, like a weebles wobble, but they don't fall down kind yeah, of doll. Yeah, exactly. You might have one eye colored or both eyes colored. Um, but the whole Daruma thing is like a way of making a wish for the future or a prayer for the future. When you buy the Daruma, it only has one eye already in it. And right, one right, eye right. is blank. Then you make the wish. You get it blessed by the priest. You don't always have to get it blessed, but you can get it blessed by the priest. And then when your wish comes true, you put in the other eye. Right. If it doesn't come true by the end of the year, you're kind of SOL, out of luck. And then at the end of the year, before you get your new one, there's actually a dumping place where you go and dump the Darumas, right. which I just found fascinating in them. and of itself. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. Because you don't want to just throw it away because that's yeah, bad luck too. Right, exactly. And there's all different colors. The traditional color is red. But now they have pink and green and white gold. and gold. And, and the different all, colors signify different yeah. like paths of well, whether your you wishes. want yeah, whether you want riches or whether you want health or whether right. you want to have a baby or whatever your your goal is, they'll have a picture a color for it. But but the traditional one is red. So whenever I've gotten them, I've only I, I think I've only gotten red. It's a lot of fun. Okay, now sumo wrestling is of course big in Japan, and it's pretty much the only place you're really going to see it. In all the forms that you can. And it's really cool if you can go to a tournament. Yeah. So tournaments, uh, we went in January, I believe. In January, they have them in Tokyo. But I think. They have other ones throughout the year. October in Osaka. Mm -hmm. Anyway, you would have to look at the, um, the websites for them. But they're well worth going to. I think we paid 80 thousand yen eight thousand yen eight thousand yen so eighty dollars a person to go but but you could be there like all day long we got there really really early when we were just watching them practice and then they did the juniors and then they moved on to the big guys and when i say big guys i mean that um pot in popularity as well as size it was it was really fascinating and a lot of fun and you of course they sell food and it's just a really cool thing to do. It's a good way to spend the day. And it seemed like maybe it would be one of those once in a lifetime things for me. But actually, I could 
do that again. I could, I could, that was I quite could do a lot it again of fun. Too. Along the same lines, <laughs> sumo wrestlers, the most crazy thing I think that I've that ever, we've done ever witnessed in Japan is when you go to the, the Nakisumo, which is the special festival held in April, in April every year. And it's in, uh, is that Sensoji in, in, in Tokyo, but they have other ones and they're not always actually in April, but the one in Sensoji is in April. Okay, in Sensoji. And they set up a little, like a mock sumo ring. And then you'll see all these families. They even have the their, referee guy from the sumo. And then you'll see the all the families with their very young babies. And this is the sumo wrestlers trying to make babies cry. Because if they can make the baby cry and the baby cries, it's like it shows that that child is going to be strong and healthy. And they try hard to make him cry. It's or just her the cry. craziest thing we've ever seen. They'll... I mean, they won't like go crazy with the babies, but they'll give them little shakes and they'll get in their face and and make loud noises and funny faces. The fact that it's a stranger, a huge stranger to begin with. And that, yeah, the sumo wrestler is dressed like a sumo wrestler. He is in his wrestling outfit, which is not much. And it's just, I mean. It's fascinating. What a cultural experience. And it, but it's so much fun. And, and. They're so cute. They're cute when the babies cry. Then they're like, oh, 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 let me let me comfort you kind of thing. Yeah. And they're cute when they don't cry. And they're like, come on, please cry. Our job is to make you cry. I mean, you could just see that it's important to them to do a good job. Both the people holding the babies and the and the referee kind of referee kind of guy has like little scary masks. Or yeah. They have like a little drum. And it's just, I mean, the whole thing is just fascinating. They parade the babies around and everybody claps. It is the cutest damn thing I've ever seen in my life. I loved it. That's pretty good. That's one of my favorite things we've done in Japan. Another favorite thing that we've done in Japan, and I would do this over and over again, is Japanese baseball game. Because I'm not, I I like baseball. I mean, I'm American. I love softball, baseball. I love it. I'm not going to watch it on TV, however, and I'm not going to go to, I'm not going to go to a whole lot of games, but I will play it. Yeah. But the Japanese way of doing things, as you probably could guess, is much different than the American way of doing things. And it was fun. It was really fun. Like we had fun from the moment we got there to the moment we left. A Japanese baseball game is like an entertainment extravaganza. It is. There's dancing, the cheerleaders dancing. There's t-shirts being blasted into the stands there's fireworks there's a singing audience there's a shinkansen every time that goes around the lights whenever a shinkansen is a fast train on the lights yeah. whenever they made a home run there's you know like they have noisemakers noisemakers just it was just so much fun everyone's dressed up in costumes in the stands from opposing teams it's really incredible and the day we went you know just like in the states the day we went it was women's day so they gave every single person who participated, who went there on that day, we went to Yokohama. Um, they gave us all a shirt, a t-shirt. So that was really cool. So everybody, of course, is wearing those t-shirts and it's just, it's just so much fun. And of course the people are so much fun around you and they'll explain things to you. If you get confused because you think, you know, baseball. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the game is basically the same, but anyway, it was a lot of fun. Mostly the same. Oh, and the, the beer sellers with their kegs on their backpacks going up and down. Yeah. You can buy beer in the States too. But you got to go stand in line. You got to go stand in line or they're coming around with a tray full of cups that you're waiting for, but no, uh-huh, right. they've got the keg and they'll fill the cup for you right, right there. there. Yeah. That's really and they're, 
they're always picked for being cute and perky, of course, because this is Japan. Um, but anyway, so going to a Japanese baseball game was a lot of fun. We bought the tickets. Did we buy them once we got there? No, we did buy them ahead of time, but you, you buy could buy them when you got there. Depending on the game. I mean, if it's sold out, there's no way. Yeah, but it's not that hard to go to a baseball game. So if you're willing to go to a sports event and and sit there and be a little perplexed, but really enjoying it culturally, I think you would enjoy it. Um, there's other things to do too. Like, you know, everybody, I can't think of anybody I know who hasn't sung karaoke yeah. at a bar. And you can do that everywhere in the world. You can. But you can't do it the Japanese it's a little, way. A little bit different. And who started karaoke? Yeah, the it's Japanese. Japanese so. so, what I love about Japanese karaoke is that you go to any, any even small town, and there's normally going to be a karaoke palace, salon, place, rooms. Rooms. And what these rooms are, usually what you do is you pay by the hour and you go in, and then they have, and a lot of times, so much food or drink is included in your in mm-hmm, your entry fee. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, you can buy more. And they'll have things like edamame and peanuts and beer and soft drinks and ice cream. And and it, it's for partying. So you go in there with your friends and or on your own. I've seen plenty of people oh, yes. do it on your own or for date night just with your mm-hmm, hubby. Mm-hmm. We've done that. And uh, and you go in there and you just sit and you sing away, sing away. Now, the Japanese way of doing karaoke is not so much everybody singing at once. You know how in many bars around the world, many times when I've done karaoke around the world, you know, you're with your friends and you're all drinking and everybody joins in. I'm included. I do that with everybody else. Everybody sings along. This is not necessarily like that. They like to give each person their own choice to do it. And they think everybody can sing until they hear me. Yeah. Then they change their mind and they just sort of laugh it off but i'm like no you can sing with me and then it'll sound better no but they don't do that but they don't do that so you just suffer through your whole song and then they won't ask you again yeah then they won't push you into it again but anyway it's a lot of fun they do it for business meetings they do it when you're taking english classes they do it just walking down the street and say let's go sing let's do it do it do it karaoke 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 yeah it's everywhere the next one is really unique to Japan, and that's the New Year's bags. And uh, gosh, they are fun. Like surprise bags that you go out, go out and buy on New Year's Day. They're not as surprisey anymore. Sometimes True. they tell you what's in them, but a lot of times they're still surprise bags. Yeah. So you'll go to like the grocery store and they'll have surprise bags and it'll be different candies and different fruits and different drinks and things like that. You don't really know what you're going to get in those bags. But you know that for a thousand it, yen, for yeah. about 10 bucks, you're going to get a bag full of something worth 2,000 yen. That's probably worth a little bit more or a lot more, depending. So you look for those bags in all of the shops and you can find them everywhere and you can get some really amazing deals from it. Or you just get some interesting stuff that you're like, yeah, okay, that's cool. <laughs> what am I going to do with it? I like doing the food ones because you can always try different things. That's a lot of fun. And then they have, you know, they have just like anywhere else in the world, they have Pokemon stores, they have clothes stores, they have toy stores. So, you know, if you're going to go to a toy store and you're going to get the boy bag, you're going to get boy toys. And if you go and you're going to get the girl bag, you're going to get girl toys. So you're really not. I mean, it's a surprise because you don't know exactly what's in there. But it's not a surprise in that you know you're going to get something that you probably can use or regift. It's up or to you. Or regift. Yeah, but it's, it's a lot, a lot of, fun. of fun. 
Jinx. Uh, unique museums. There are some pretty unique museums in Japan. Of course, Studio Ghibli. Well, not only is it Studio Ghibli, but it's also like we went to May's house, remember? So it's mm. like a whole From little Totoro. house that's made in the... And it's just amazing. You could open the drawers, you could touch things, you could do all kinds of stuff. So there's that. We went to the Art Fish Aquarium. Remember that? That one was really cool with all the different goldfish and koi. And all kinds of different displays. Displays, yeah. And even in the cafe at the end, you could get a small glass bowl with like a clear jello in it and a sculpted little jellyfish. Basically, it was a... What do you call those boxes that you make in elementary school? Shadow box? No. Yeah, no, no. Diorama. A diorama. Basically, it was like a fish diorama in a, in a glass that was a dessert that you could eat. That looked like so a real fish. Damn cool. But, I mean, but really the museum fun. itself was really incredible with just humongous aquariums and little aquariums full of all kinds, all different kinds of goldfish ceiling aquariums. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. It was Beautiful a lot of place. fun. And, and, and there's so many more. Then, of course, there's the. Um, team lab ones where you're walking through water for team lab planets and Mm -hmm. just, I mean, they're so innovative. There's so many fun things we went to a star, big, huge star Wars exhibit there. We did all kinds of stuff. Just got to keep your eyes open and and whether it's a pop-up or whether it's a regular one, there's tons to do. Uh, Different types of hotels. There are some unique styles of hotels in Japan. Uh, of course, the love hotels. Everybody's heard of love hotels, and they are what they sound like they are. And sometimes you sign up for them and you didn't realize you did that. Right, That's Jim? a fact. <laughs> sometimes they're right on booking.com and they don't say they're a love hotel. We did that in Osaka, and I got to say, and it was funny because not only did we do it, but then we met up with some friends and they're like, We stayed at a love hotel in Osaka. It was on booking. We're like, Same for us. It was so a good hotel, and it the was price a great was right. Hotel. It was just funny, but you know, you can order. Your little extras that you want to order. There's a karaoke machine in the room. Mm-hmm. There's a, usually bath salts and uh, just, you know, anything lovey-dovey is in but there. But most of them are themed mm-hmm. hotels. So that can be a really interesting thing to do. Uh, of course, capsule hotels. Yeah. Everybody's heard of those. I mean, you. what did you think? I, it's not really my kind it's of thing. It's not my thing. I was never really very comfortable in them. Yeah. Uh, you can't control the heat at all or the the temperature at all there's noise when people come in and out yeah not my favorite thing tattoos in them yeah exactly i don't have tattoos but if you do you're sol you're you're sol yeah now they usually have a uh a hot bath or that sort of thing with them so that's something to take advantage of um but i would prefer a a rio con Oh, yeah, but then you're going to pay for it. Too. Yeah, that's a little a bit more Ryokan expensive. A Ryokan is the traditional Japanese inn, and mm-hmm. we've done it, I don't know, a number of times. Not a huge number. <laughs> because they're very they're expensive. a couple hundred dollars a piece. Yeah, per person. Per person. Not a couple hundred dollars for the two of you. A couple hundred dollars per person, because it includes a big kaseki meal, and it's very traditional and it costs a lot of money to keep those places up. And they're just so serene and so wonderful. I think my favorite one we ever did was at the snow monkeys, which we'll talk about in a little mm-hmm. while. Only in Japan. Are you going to be pushed into a subway car? And I was once and I didn't like it. No. And shoved in like sardines until the door gets closed and then off it goes. And, and you know, once you're in there, yes, people sort of like, jostle and you end up 
getting a little bit more room maybe, but no, I, I no, mm -mm, not for me, but it happens. We've not only seen it many times, but like I said, it happened to me once and that was enough. Once in a lifetime experience. Um, and the last one I have for cultural activities <laughs> is just using the bathroom. Yeah. And which is true in a lot of countries. It's using true. the bathroom, it could be different. But Japan is like the luxury five star, have the best bathroom experience ever country. Because they have just the, you know, state of the art toilet, super high tech toilet and they're comfortable and they're clean and they'll clean you and they'll play music for you. And they're just fun. They're a lot of fun. And just remember, point, push all the buttons and remember the red one is going to stop. Push it. all the buttons. So, so just know that you can always push the red one and it'll stop whatever it's doing. So there you go. And be prepared to get wet if you're just going to start pushing buttons. Yeah, prepare buttons. to get wet. But that, I mean, you're, you're naked at that point. I thought you were going to say, the first thing to remember when you're using one of those high-tech toilets is you don't stand on the seat. Oh, no, you definitely. And they have pictures You'll about see the pictures too. to tell you that. Because the other side of the story, which I thought you were going to get to, but you didn't, yeah. is that you might walk into a bathroom that That's is 50, the most- hundred years old. <laughs> yeah. Like hole in the ground. Now, what do I do type thing? And you can find those in other countries, of course. But for me, it's they kind still of like exist in Japan too, the fact so that you can find those in the whole range in Japan is just incredible. Okay. Food activities. After we flush down all those. <laughs> let's, get, let's get filled up first. So then, <laughs> then we can flush it down. I mean, food is the other thing you think of, right? When you think of Japan, you Definitely. think of sushi, sushi and ramen and tonkatsu and oh, so many good things. I don't know how many people think about mochi. I don't either. Unless you know what it is. And then, of course, you either love it or hate it. I'm not a big mochi fan as far as eating it because mochi is a pounded rice. Mm -hmm. And it, 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 for me, it kind of like, I don't know. I don't, it I don't, I don't like the texture. Like a sticky gum. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, no, it's not for me. But my daughter, Erica, she loves it. She loves it. I like it sometimes. I like some mochi In small amounts. But what I really love doing is that culture event of making the mochi. So you go somewhere usually invited, or it might actually be at a festival that right, you can, right. that they'll just let anybody come in and do it, but they'll have like this Big four wooden. foot tall stump from a tree that's been mm -hmm. hollowed out on the top into a bowl. And then you've got this really big wooden mallet and they dump in the rice that's cooked and you just start pounding it and pounding it. And there's it usually and two it. people pounding in a time. So you get into a rhythm mm -hmm. and then you do it for about, well, if you're a lightweight like me three times and then you switch, <laughs> you but if it. you're, but if you're with somebody else that's, you know, got some muscles and some stamina, then, you know, you can do it for as long as you want. And then at some point you can pass the mallet on to somebody else. And at the end of them pound, pounding the mochi, which brings good luck, by the way, they do this a lot for new years mm -hmm. um, and wintery kind of, festivals because of the new year vibe then they'll pass out the mochi and you can eat it and it's a good luck thing and i mean i think in that mochi isn't really like 
I mean, it's just the plain old mochi. Right. But you can nowadays, it's such a big thing to go and chase strawberry mochi and fruit, other types of fruit mochi and chocolate mochi and you name it. They got Matcha. mochi that matches everything. And and that's the one that Erica likes. Erica loves, loves to go try the different mochis. Yeah. And the best ones are the ones after it's made and it's been formed into balls and put on the stick. Then the best ones are then grilled over mm-hmm. charcoal. And that with the sauce. That's and what the one have I you. like. Eating lunch with Pokemon, pretty much only in Japan. Or any or other, other characters, characters for that matter. Because they have theme, themed restaurants galore, whether it's the Ninja restaurant or the, I don't even know them all because I'm just really not, it's not into pop culture. <laughs> but we did go to the Pokemon one, not once. We went to twice. the Monster Cafe, but that one's closed now, yeah, unfortunately. The Monster Cafe closed down. Maybe someone will reopen at some point. But they have all I mean, they have all kinds. They have the anime cafes and mm-hmm, they have mm-hmm. the um, video game cafes and they I mean, you name it. The Japanese are the kings and queens of theming. And when they theme something, they do it they right. They do it right. They do, like we were saying with the Art Aquarium Museum, they do it for desserts. They do it for drinks. They do it for decoration. They do it for costume. They do it for everything. And it's really, really a lot of fun and well worth it. Now, of course, you already mentioned sushi. Yes, you can get sushi all around the world. And just getting sushi in any sushi go round or any sushi restaurant is a very important, fun, awesome thing to do. You have to do it. But the best time. Like my most memorable sushi, I'm going to say, was at the fish market. Yeah. Going to the fish market. You can get up really early in the morning. You have to, you have to do a little bit of legwork if you want to do it right. Because ideally you're going to get up super early and you're going to go to the fish market and you're going to watch the tuna auctions. That's the reason to get up really early. And the tuna auctions themselves are a cultural experience that you're not going to find anywhere else in the world. In the world. But then after that, you're still in this fish market with some of the best freshest fish that you're going to find anywhere. And what do you do with fresh fish? Make sushi. Turn it into sushi. So that fish market is also the best place to get the best freshest sushi for breakfast. And we've done it a couple of times. We did it with the old Skiji fish market was open and we went back just recently in December, as a matter of fact, and we went to the new Toyo supermarket, Mm -hmm. which it didn't have the same charm as no, the Skiji no. market, which you can still go to and do the outside thing and get sushi there, actually. But what the Toyosu has that Skiji didn't have is, oh, my gosh, it's huge. It's organized. It has a little museum in it. <laughs> you, you it has it. The organization for the kids. That's what it has. Oh, my. It has organization, period. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really cool. It's, it's well worth a stop. Definitely a good visit. Um, if you're there at Christmas... You have to have KFC. That's like the unofficial, official Christmas dinner. And it's great. And it's great because you order your Christmas dinner. Like we got there in December. I think we got there a couple of days before Christmas. Oh, yeah. And you just had to find, you have to order your Christmas meal. You can't just show up on Christmas. I don't think you can just show up on Christmas and get a Christmas meal. You have you to order ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And so you get like the chicken and the Christmas meal usually comes with some type of sides and it even has a Christmas cake. And actually when you order it, just like anything else in the world, there's a Christmas menu and you get to choose which little package you want for your menu. Anywhere from two to, I don't know, 20 people or whatever. And uh, they will deliver it to your hotel room 
or you can go pick it up. I mean, it is, it's a thing and it is what, it is what every Japanese person, maybe not every Japanese person does, but. But it's pretty popular. It's very, very popular. Okay. We said KFC, but I don't, maybe we need to like specify. Yeah. Kentucky fried chicken. That's what we're talking about. The Colonel is out front dressed in a Santa costume. Yep. And it's just, it's just a fun thing to do. Um, one of the most serene things that I love doing. And when we lived in Kamakura, every single time we had someone come visit, we took them to this place. And that is we would go have matcha tea, traditional tea at the bamboo forest at the temple in Kamakura. And it was, it wasn't a Japanese tea ceremony, but it was traditional Japanese matcha tea. And basically you got to the temple and then you walked up into the bamboo forest. And then when you got to the little tea hut, the best thing I still can see this in my mind's eye is there's three little ladies in, in right behind the counter and they're just like swishing the tea, swishing the tea. And it's just, I don't know. I just love that. It's just so cool. The tea itself, you know, you get your cups and your little tea candies that go along with it. And you watch the beautiful you sit forest out and look and out at the forest sunlight coming through it. And it's, even though it's always packed, it's pretty quiet. It's quiet. It's just really nice. If the wind is blowing, the bamboo is like clicking yeah. all, all through the forest. It's very cool. Really beautiful. Vending machines. Vending machines in you general. Can't, you can't talk about Japan without talking about vending machines. You can get anything in a vending machine. Hot, cold, you name it. One of my favorite things is I was just gonna corn say, soup. I knew you were going to say it. Hot corn soup in a can. In the vending machines, if it has a red button, it means it's served hot. And when we say hot, we mean Ooh, hot. Yeah. And if it has a, a blue button, then it's served cold. Some machines are all blue because it's ice cream. And some are all hot because it's winter and you need coffee and corn soup. And one of the best things to do if you go in winter in Japan, which by the way, Japan in winter is amazing. It's a, you need to go to Japan in winter. And so what you do is you go to a machine and for, you know, a couple hundred yen, you get your corn soup or your milk coffee and you stick them in your one in each side of your pockets and it just keeps you all cozy warm. And then when it gets down to, you know, less than lava, then you can maybe even drink and drink it or eat it. That's a lot of fun. And you can, I mean, they have pizzas in the machines. They have ramen in the machines. They have egg machines, lingerie machines. machines. They have, you name it. You can get it in a vending machine. PlayStation machines. Everything. (laughs) Everything. Kit Kat bars. Of course you can get Kit Kat bars all around the world. And the idea, the Japanese idea of Kit Kat bars seems to be spreading a little bit. You can now find different flavors in, in different countries, but I think Japan started it all and definitely has the most number of different flavors of Kit Kat bars that what you can are find anywhere. What some of the anywhere. flavors that we've tried? Strawberry cheesecake, matcha. Pu- pumpkin pie, blueberry, strawberry, peach. I haven't had grape, but there is a wine Kit Kat. Oh yeah, we had wine, mm-hmm. um, champagne. I want to say toasted marshmallow. I'm not sure that's yes. what it's called. I don't think we had s'mores, but it was like a marshmallowy thing. There uh-huh. was a cheese, there's cheesecake. Cheesecake. I don't know. We've tried so many. I can't even begin to tell you. I can't you. Even remember them all. No, there's that, no way. Yeah, that's a fun thing to do. Just spend your time in Japan collecting different Kit Kat bars. And then at the end of your trip or when you come back, share them all party. with your friends and have a tasting party. Another thing that's really fun is ramen. And there are so many different things to do with ramen. One of the most fun things we've ever done is go to Yokohama to the Cup Noodle mm. uh, Museum. And there it talks all about the whole making of, you know, those college 
staples of cup noodles yeah. where you can you can see the museum, but you can also decorate a package of your own cup noodles. Or if you have a little pre-planning, you can go and make your own noodles. And that is so much fun. Now, I don't think they spoke English. No, but it was still pretty but obvious it didn't matter. what you were doing. It was very, I mean, they had some, maybe they spoke a little English. I don't know. It didn't matter. It really didn't matter. I can't explain to you how great they were at communicating. They basically had people come over and help us through every single step. We were there a couple of hours. We made our own noodles. We put them in the package and decorated. We named it and we took them home with us. And it was so much fun. So much fun. That was a lot of fun. That was the Cup Noodle Museum in Yokohama. Yokohama. Yeah, that's right. Uh, We've also made soba noodles. Yep. And that's a lot of fun. And you can do that in a lot of places. They have a lot of soba. He tends to be in a lot of places for festivals. Mm-hmm. So um, you can almost always find a place to to make soba noodles, which we did. And that was a lot of fun. We went to the soba festival. There are also soba noodle eating contests. Oh, yes. Which are a lot of fun. I don't That's know that right. you would want to just I, not walk up and join. Not me. But to watch, it's a lot of fun. But my favorite noodles of all are ramen. and. Of course, if you're going to go to Japan, you've got to go to the Michelin star ramen shop. There's there's three of them, but my favorite and the one I really think everyone should go to is Nakiryu. The problem with Nakiryu, and believe me, it is my favorite too. And in fact, it's the only reason that I ever ate ramen anyway, because I've never been a fan (laughs) until I had Nakiryu. It made me a believer, um, is that it's a little bit, it's a little bit harder to get to than some of the other ones. Some of the other ones are a little bit more central. Yeah. It's a bit of a journey. It is in Tokyo, but it's a couple of train rides depending on where you're at. And it can but take a lot to get there. let me tell you, oh my gosh, so worth it. It's so, so good. And of course the line is long. It opens at like 11. It opens at 11 and we usually get there about 10. And there's still people in line And ahead we're of us. never the first ones in. No. <laughs> and it only seats 10 people. That's the problem. So if you're 30, you know, 21st in line, you're going to be in the third wave. Yeah. And, and no one fools around. They go in, they order, they eat, and they leave. And that's what you do too. But let me tell you something. It is so worth it. It is. So worth it. And just the ramen experience in Japan mm-hmm. is, I mean, that's just something worth talking about. Just the normal ramen experience. Yeah. I mean, Nakiryu, as far as that goes, is no different than any other. You've got to have your money. You've got to have cash. You're going to first walk in and go to a machine where you are putting in your money and pushing the buttons for what you want. It gives you a ticket. You give that to usually the, the cook at the bar yep, and then they bring your food. So in that sense, it's the same as all ramen and that experience at any ramen shop is pretty cool and pretty a lot similar. of fun. And it's well worth doing real fun. Oh, last thing about Nakiryu. If you can't get to Nakiryu yes. ramen shop, Good point. pro tip, go to 7-Eleven. <laughs> they have specialty instant ramens and one of them is Nakiryu. And it's this, I mean, I say the same recipe, but obviously it's not exactly the same. But it is pretty darn close. And if you're as gonna far do as an instant ramen goes, that is the one. I mean, it is really delicious. Let's put it this way. Jim stocks up Yeah, when we go Whenever there. Whenever I see it. He stocks up. And you can bring it into the United States. It's not, it's not mm, against the rules. We hope. No, you can. Because it's packaged. Anyway, the very last food activity that we've mentioned, and there are plenty more. We know that this is a limited list. But the other one that you can't kind of not mention is going to a cafe. That has, you know, some kind of cute animal, oh, whether sure. it be 
a kitty or an owl or, or a capybara or a pig or whatever. We've done yeah, a, couple a good of number of them. And otters. the last we one did we otters. did. Otters. Yeah. And the last one we did was the my pig, which was cute as can be. Oh my God. They were cute. Little cute piglets. They were super cute. Anyway, so you got to go have a drink because you can't, I wouldn't really, it's not eat. really eating. It's place. not an eating thing. It's more of a drinking thing. Um, and it's not really for like getting drunk kind of thing either. It's no. like, no, have a soda pop. You're really there for the animals and you can also have a coffee or a pop. Exactly. All right. So to finish things up, we're going to talk a little bit about outdoor activities, but we're not going to go into too much depth. Um, but you know, check out our blog because everything that we've mentioned, we have a, we have uh, an article about it because that's how we are. Cherry anyway, blossoms. Uh, cherry blossoms is the is the number one thing that well, or number one, and so is snow monkeys are number one. So there's two number ones. <laughs> and no. <Yeah. laughs> but uh cherry blossom time is like no other time in Japan. And people are happy, winter's over over, and they have this special way to celebrate, and it's beautiful. Starts out with plum blossoms, then it goes into cherry blossoms, and then they they pretty much celebrate every flower from that point. From that point on, um, but you sh- if you can be there during cherry blossom time, you it's definitely want to do so. It really is special. Yeah, the snow monkeys are probably right up there too. And snow monkeys, I mean, come on. Now that's winter time. You definitely want to be there in the winter time. The best snow in the winter. You can go anytime. They're there all the time, but to see them in the hot tub with the snow falling and, and, it's and the snow covered ground. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Or you go to the Ryokan at Jigokudani and stay overnight and the snow monkeys come and sleep on the eaves near your windows. They'll also take a dip in the onsen while you're in the onsen. Yes. I've actually bathed with the monkey. I've yeah. done that. <laughs> that's pretty incredible. It is. I think a lot of our things is about bathing actually because <laughs> Public bathing in Japan is such a big thing. You've got the onsen, you've got the foot baths, you've got sand baths, you've got all kinds of different ways that you can commune in the naked, in the buff. Yeah. And, and don't just, worry, they're almost all not co-ed. There's only a very there few. There are some that are co-ed. There are only a very few co-eds and you're not going to be surprised by by that. When it happens, you'll know it going in. Okay, so I think people get a little bit put off by that because you have to be naked. Well, first of all, they're used to being naked, so they're not looking at you. Um, so you don't have to worry about that. And I was a large woman for the longest portion of my life. And I mean, and they're not, but they still never really looked at me no. weird or anything like that. They're polite. So. Everybody's polite and considerate. Just make sure you do it right. Go in, clean wash first, wash completely, rinse off all the soap before you get into the tub. And then other things that are even easier, if you don't want to get fully naked, you can do a foot on sin, which is just, and they're all over the, all over the country. I mean, if you come across one, take advantage of it. A lot of times they're free. Sometimes you have to pay a a very small amount. You might have to buy a drink or you might have to buy a drink or something like that. And basically you just strip off your shoes and socks and put it in scalding water. Yeah. And let me tell you something though. I got to say that it is a genius thing to do because after you've been pounding the pavement and going from temple to temple and really doing the sightseeing to take your shoes off and put it in the water and just relax and have a drink. Let me tell you. Nice, smart, hot, clean water. Smart. Yeah. And then the, the weirdest one was the sand. The sand bath. On Kyushu, there is the, the sand on the beach is heated 
by underground springs, volcanic activity. volcanic activity, and you can go. You get undressed. You don't really have to clean as much for this one because you're going to get and you buried. Get to, well, you wear your underwear and you just put on. You just take off your outer clothes. And you put basically. a towel around you. Yeah. And then you lay down in the sand, and these ladies come and they bury you. cover you in hot sand and bury you. Not completely you. bury you. Your head sticking out. I mean, I was okay. I'm claustrophobic, and it didn't bother me at all. No. So it's not like it's. I mean, the, the heat from the sand just soaks into your whole body and it's pretty incredible. So here's the pro tip. There are so many hotels in Japan, in Tokyo, wherever you're flying into Osaka, wherever, um, that will probably have a public bath and onsen in the hotel for your first night, especially when you are just getting there, you're just first arriving. If you can fly in go to your hotel and then go to the onsen, which by the way, the ones at the hotels are never that, that crowded. And if you go to a public right. one, there's going to be a lot more people. They're not big, but you can usually find a time where you can get in. No problem. And so and you go to, to that and you, you do the whole onsen thing and you soak in the hot bath and they usually have a relaxation room afterwards and you can go in there. I mean, it, it rejuvenates you. It's the way to beat jet lag and for it, sure. I think it's a true cure for jet lag. Okay. We always recommend the dormy in. Yes. For that, because mm-hmm. they almost always have an onsen on the roof or somewhere on the premises. And, and I believe nice. some dormy ins even have private ones that you can rent so that if you want to go ones. in with your family, you can. Yes. Uh, they also have free noodles after 10 o'clock That's at right. night. Well, anyway, we love dormy ends. Dormy in. A little um, commercial. A little commercial, but not that we're getting paid for it or anything. But Other things we like to do outside is just get out on a beach. Now, beaches in Japan, especially the further you get away from the main tourist areas, can be a bit of an experience, a real eye-opener, because everything that's in the water washes on the shore. And what I like to look for is glass floats, and you can pretty much find those pretty regularly in northern Japan, especially and on Hokkaido, but you're going to find everything on there. The, the huge light bulbs that they use on the shrimp boats, uh, nets, nets, wooden boxes, all kinds of really cool stuff. (laughs) But of course also some really heartbreaking stuff like batteries and lighters and plastic, plastic, the best time to go. If you are going to go flat some, uh, searching is after a big storm, which oh, there yeah. are plenty, especially in storm. summer because it's tsunami season. So all year long, all year long is good. But <laughs> if you go after a tsunami, you have the best chance yeah. of really getting something. So get out on a beach. The beaches can be stunningly beautiful, but they can also, like I said, they can be a little heartbreaking because of all the trash that washes up. But finding a glass float is pretty cool. I think the other thing is, and I kind of mentioned it before is make sure you go one of the times to go to Japan that I love the most is winter. The winter festivals are amazing. Um, I'm sure you've heard of the Sapporo Ice Festival, which is the most popular, but not the only one. And they just have, I mean, everywhere you go, the skiing is fantastic. The, mm-hmm. the winter festivals, they have like where they have these little igloos that you go That's have right. dinner in. They have ice sculpture festivals like in Matsumoto. We went to that and that was amazing. It was so cold that right weekend. Right in the shadow of the castle. Yeah, That's right so in the cool. yeah, just beautiful. And you know, they always have, of course, lots of good foods at these festivals. 
And you can get in and get warm up. The best thing to do is wear ski pants if you travel in the winter. No problem. And then the other thing, of course, is there's lots of Buddha statues. You've got Big Buddha here. You've got Big Buddha there. Here's a Big Buddha. There's Standing Big Buddha. Buddha. Reclining Buddha. <laughs> yeah. You can see Buddhas. And and those are always fun. And, of course, all the all the outdoor templing and shrining where you can go through the gates or there's plenty of stairs to climb. There's always something to see. But mm-hmm. I think the number one thing that you can only do once a year in Japan, and it's it's going to be our... Last thing that we mentioned is climbing Mount Fuji. Oh, yeah. You have to do it in July, pretty much just July. July and August, I think. A little bit into August. And you also, I think you can do it as an individual. I don't know if you still can because they've put in a lot of limits on how you get to the starting point. You might have to do it now only as a tour. I don't know. We'll We're have not to do sure. a little bit of research. In the past, you could just go up to the fifth station and register and buy your walking stick and climb. Um, or you can, like we said, you can always do it as a tour. And that way everything's set up for you. You have your way there. You have your way back. Uh, they have someone to explain how, what you're doing and, and why you're doing it. And that's a good way to do it. But the idea is that you start in the evening and you walk all night long. Times. This is the part I didn't like. And you walk all night long and then you get to the top for sunrise, which is cool. And if it's a good sunrise, it can be amazing, almost a life-changing experience. But our experience, sunrise on mountain tops. changing with 3,000 other people. Yeah. Well, not that many, but quite a few. Quite a few. Uh, But as I was saying, most sunrises from mountaintops, in my experience, have actually not been spectacular. Almost always there's clouds. You don't really have a choice on what day you're there. So it's not like you can... Go pick, again. Pick your day or, well, you or come back again. tomorrow. <laughs> I guess you could if you want to, but. But uh, the time we climbed, actually, it was a beautiful sunrise. And you can see Tokyo, like off in the distance, spread up below you. I personally, they have little huts that you go up into along the way. And then you get your walking um, stick. You get a wood burning stamp in it. And it's a lot of fun. That's pretty cool. Um, and also in these huts, they'll serve noodles or whatever. And they also have beds that you can pay for, for the night. I wish I had known that before I did it because I am not a night person by, I am a morning person. And by nine o'clock at night, I am ready to go to bed. Yeah. I, I don't do new year's eves. I don't do late night parties and guess what else I don't do stay up all night hiking. (laughs) And so I chose last minute as it turns out to stay in the hut during part of the hike. And then I missed a little bit of part of the hike and I still got up and saw the sunrise and all that kind of stuff. You can't help it. Everybody's making lots of noise, (laughs) but, um, but, and then I'm awake at that point. Anyway, I've, I've slept. But so I felt that I kind of I kind of wish I'd known that ahead of time. And I would have done it differently. Yeah, I would have gone up earlier in the day, planned to spend the night, get up early enough to wake up and finish the two o'clock in the morning and and done it. And that would that would have been fine with me. But I was a little bit cranky. I got to be honest. Yeah. Well, that's our pro tip for climbing Mount Fuji. Yeah. Don't do it all in one fell swoop unless you're gung ho and a good climber or good hiker. Lots of energy. I did it and there are plenty of other people who did it, but it's just, I think it's more fun, more enjoyable to take a break near the top, spend a couple hours 
take a nap, have fun with the people around you. Right. And then get up and finish the last bit after you've rested. Yeah. I think that's the best way to do it. I mean, I don't know how many we just told you about and, <laughs> and, and our list is not exhaustive. We, there yeah, we are could so keep going. Many, there's more and more and more you can do. Japan is a fascinating country and it's so much fun to visit it. And there's so many things to do there that you've never been able to do anywhere else. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Streets and Eats. If you liked what you heard, please show us some love. Hit the like button and leave us a review. Maybe even subscribe so you don't miss any future podcasts. Also, we'd love it if you joined us on our Facebook private group, Streets and Eats, where we just have an ongoing conversation about all things travel. Ciao for now.